T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Right now, Eric, we are about to be joined by another guest, our second one of the day, and one that has an interesting background and has done even more interesting things after her time as a military spouse. She is Christy Kaufman, co-founder and executive director of Code of Support Foundation. Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Good morning. So, as I mentioned, you are a former military spouse, although I think really that that term carries on in perpetuity. It never really ends, does it? I call myself a recovering military <laughs> spouse. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. So tell us a little bit about your your service as a military spouse, uh, when you guys were in, what you did, where you were, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I probably have a, a relatively unusual path into that lifestyle. I kind of I grew up in New York. I went to Berkeley, for God's sake. I mean, you literally can't get further from the military than that. <laughs> and I met my now former husband, the only place that Berkeley and West Point could possibly meet, Vegas, <laughs> the rum jungle. Um, and apparently what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay there because I went from Berkeley, California to Lawton, Oklahoma was my first duty station, which I always say was a culture shock for everybody involved. That's a heck of a move. Yeah. I don't think Oklahoma ever got over it either. (laughs) And so I happened to get married June, 2001. So I had great timing, got married, showed up and a couple months later, um, you know, the, you know, what hit the fan. And so there was uh, 11 years. I always say like, you know, war years are different. They're like dog years. So I feel like I was married for like 78 years, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So we did five years at SIL. um, And then he did his battalion commander Bragg from 06 to 08 during the surge. And it was... It was not a good situation. I mean, it was with... We were now on like third, fourth, fifth deployments for some families. and, And the Army just... You know, they they had not figured out a way to support those kind of um, things, mental health and and all of that. And so um, being the Berkeley girl that I am, I tried to change the entire system by myself, which they love down at Fort Bragg. They oh, I'm when, sure. They love, love it when, when wives stuff. do yeah. stuff like They're that. They're a huge fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> huge. They're like, well, thank you for doing this. One. Anytime a military <laughs> spouse speaks up uh, in a way that is uh, any way critical of the big army or the base in general, oh, oh they were like, yeah, let's give her some sort of medal, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they throw me all kinds of parades down there. Um, and so, but I mean, I tried to use the, the way they have for little wives to, you know, bring up issues, but these were not pothole in the road type of things. These were systemic changes that needed to be made. We were, you know, at that point, six or seven years in, and I was basically trying to support 1,200 family members with four volunteers and no money. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's it was insane. It was actually really crazy. And I wrote after that um, experience and, you know, basically trying to change things and you know, my former husband was really getting in trouble for things that I was saying um, mm. in closed meetings, which I'm like, why do you why do you say you want to hear what we have to say and then not want to hear it? So right. then we moved up to this area, D.C. area um, in the summer of 08. And um, I'm actually a pretty happy chick by nature. So I'm walking around all pissed off. And I realized it was because I had done everything I could for those families for two years. And it wasn't even a drop in the bucket because the system was broken. 
Yeah. And then when I tried to inform the system, we just got our butts handed to us. And then I remembered I was a pretty good writer. So I ended up writing an op-ed that was published in the Washington Post in 09 called Army Families Under Fire. And that was enough to get me a seat at the table, the people I, I needed to be talking to. It's kind of a high chair at first, but it was a seat. Right. Um, and that was just when the Obamas were coming into office and had formed this joining forces thing. And so it was kind of a, and it was the first time a wife had gone outside the lines. Right. I mean, it, it was interesting. The feedback I got, I got literally a thousand email in a couple of days from, from folks. Most of it, 90% of it was positive of, you know, thanks for taking the risk. And my husband was up for his 06 board when I published. So I got to give him a little, we're not married anymore, but I have to give him credit. Uh, and so, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those situations where I felt like if I didn't say something, I would regret it for the rest of my life. You know, someone had to say something uh, and it hadn't worked for the four or five years I was doing it internally. Mm. And so that's really where I turned to the Washington Post. And, and so that was, a, you know, I knew enough to know I didn't know enough. I mean, I was right. If you read the op-ed, it stands. I mean, we're literally supporting families by baking cupcakes and selling to our own hu- husbands in the motor pool. Yeah. I mean, that's happening still. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so, um, but I knew enough that I just, I didn't understand the larger, you know, kind of sector that was, that was influencing what we were seeing on the ground. And so I put my head down for a couple of years to learn, took every meeting that I could. Anytime I would lose traction, I would write something else or speak in front of Congress or do something to make people meet with me. But that gets really tiring to do as an individual. Um, and so I met my co-founder, General Salisbury, uh, who has a very, um, you know, similar mindset to me of how do you look at this whole thing strategically, right? Instead of trying to solve these little problems, how do you step back and look at it? And what we found was the biggest problem in the troop veteran support space isn't as much a lack of resources as it is fragmentation of effort. You got 40,000 nonprofits, you've got DOD and VA spending billions of dollars, you've got companies, academia, bottom line, forward trending outcomes for our community should be better. And one of the biggest reasons they're not is because resources and getting to need. And that's really where the genesis of Code of Support came from, the organization that we established about six years ago. And we're speaking with Christy Kaufman, who is the co-founder and executive director of Code of Support Foundation, as she mentioned, co-founded with Major General Alan Salisbury, U.S. Army, retired. And you guys have come together to work towards addressing these issues. And as you said, with the resources being kind of far flung and all having, I think, the right goals in mind, but not necessarily working together to get towards them. And as we all know, if you have, let's use the old sled dog analogy, if you have 10 sled dogs and they're all heading in a different direction, you ain't going to go anywhere. Your sled's just going to sit still and you're going to be stuck in the snow and it's going to get cold after a while and things are going to get worse. Now, one of the ways that you guys are working to address this with Code of Support is through Patriot Link. So tell us about Patriot Link, where the idea came from and what it's actually all about. So really the idea came from the first program, which we created, was called our Case Coordination Program. And so I have a team of veteran and caregiver peer navigators that work with troops, veterans, and families across the country. They identify and assess and prioritize their multiple needs, right? So someone will call in and say, I'm about to be evicted. You think that's their only problem. You peel back that onion and you recognize all the other things that are factoring into that crisis state. And every single one of those things has to be addressed so that person isn't in the same situation the next month. And so my veteran peer navigators go out into this field of thousands of organizations and agencies and start pulling to cover down, not just on that veteran, but his or her family, right? 
So we recognized that it was taking our veteran peer navigators sometimes 20 hours a week just to find the resources. And that's not something we can scale. But we didn't want to back away from our coordinated model. So we we knew that there was going to be a technology portion to the solution. You can never lose the human factor. Uh, But we knew that we had to uh, create another way to find those resources. And so that's really where the genesis of PatriotLink came from. And it's... It's something that's been received rather well. I mean, we've got quotes uh, from Melissa Camo from the uh, American Red Cross Military and Veteran Caregiver Network saying it's a daily benefit for her work at the American Red Cross Military and Veteran Caregiver Network. One of the biggest calls to action she has as a peer reporter is to find and recommend resources for specific needs. And this makes her a resource expert across the country. And that's the other thing that people, I think, don't consider is that People may be uh, an expert when it comes to their region, where they are, and their home, where they are. But there's a lot more nationally that can support people in different parts of the country. You know, if you are in New York, there might be a great program in San Francisco that can help you. You know, tying in Berkeley to this, the uh, the Bay Area. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Hey, as an Oakland Raider (laughs) fan, I'll tie in the uh, the Bay Area once in a while. Um, There can be programs that might be of assistance to you that aren't local to you. Is that part of the goal of Patriot Link to kind of bring the the national down to a local level? Yep, that's exactly right. Think about how transitory our community is, right? When people ETS, they typically don't stay where they get out. So say you're getting out at Fort Carson. Most people are not going to stay at Fort Carson, yet the resources that are presented to them are all locally based. So with PatriotLink, if someone has the, the platform upstream, they can get connected to resources and opportunities before they're in crisis, which is our ultimate goal, right? Because most of the people that we work with are already in some kind of crisis. And so most nonprofits are like that too, VA, right? So we're working with the DOD to get this platform upstream in the transition process um, so that we can get people connected to, to things before they're in trouble. And that's another key. And as someone who worked, uh, again, in the, the military broadcasting, public affairs and journalism field, a big part of our job was command information, getting notice about programs out there to families. And one thing that I noticed, which I, I think you would probably agree with, is that many military families, this includes the spouses and the service members, don't think ahead enough. They don't worry about these things and they don't want to, well, that program, I don't need any help with any money right now. That program's not for me. How do you think we get the military family and the veteran family to start thinking just a little bit further ahead to things that may be an issue that they need down the road so that they're not scrambling at the last second to try and find uh, an answer to a problem that's already uh, you know, been exacerbated by not, not being able to fix it right away? I think part of that is the military's responsibility in terms of, of prepping people for transition far before transition instead oh, yeah. of a fire hose approach in the eight days that you're going through ACAP or whatever the heck they're following calling it now. So it's like, here's all this information in eight days. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. good luck with that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have all this time when you come into the military, basic AIT, all of the training, but there's basically a week and a half that you're trained how to be a civilian again. Yeah. Right. And I think, so some of that is going to be the military and some of it's on us. Like we have, you just have to realize you're not going to get a paycheck every two weeks and you can't assume that you're going to get your disability check right when you get out. If you have a disability that almost never happens. And so I think it's a shared responsibility between the institution and the individuals to take some responsibility and be like, okay, you know, I've been living this life, this kind of tight life, the army way. I know the army way. It's it's a 
it's a splash of cold water on your face when you make that transition if you're not prepared. Um, so I think it's a shared responsibility. And that goes across all branches of service. You know, I mean, I was in the Navy for 13 years, got out uh, rather unexpectedly when they decided to cut numbers. I was lost in the number shuffle, essentially, and went through the Navy's transition assistance program class while I, while I was in Guam. And uh, it was two weeks of getting to wear civilian clothes, but it was also two weeks of hearing things that didn't apply to me. Hey, you should get a government job. No, thank you. Not what I want to do. Hey, you should join the reserves. Nope, not going to do that either. This is a full time or no time for me kind of thing. It's, I think, going to be difficult for the DOD and for the military, all the branches, to create a truly individualized program. Do you think that's where these organizations come in and being able to offer information on on the other aspects of civilian life? And that's, I, I would imagine, part of what Patriot Link is trying to do in gathering them together so that they're not as difficult to seek out as they have been in the past. You got it. I mean, they're, basically, community-based resources are not integrated into the transition programs for lots of different reasons. The government and nonprofit entities, there's there's... A challenge there for a lot of different reasons. The government doesn't want to get into vetting. If they let one on, do they let the other on? I mean, there's only a few organizations that have the ability to be on post, like USO and Red Cross, and yeah. they were grandfathered in, mm-hmm. you know, and they actually have um, physical locations. But there's so much more out there. I will say this for the military: back when 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 Reese did his command from 06 to 08, we were actively discouraged for going outside the gates to ask for help. Like, for instance, we were deploying, we were on a six-month rotation, sending batteries over to Afghanistan every six months. And so in one battalion, I saw all at the same time what it was like, what were families were like when they were about to go, when they were there, and when they had come back, right? Now, every time they left, we, like most command teams, would spend hundreds of our own dollars and buy teddy bears, give them to the kids, because it's nice to have something to hang on to when you're waving goodbye to your dad, right? If I had been able to call, you know, the VFW or the DAV or VFW down the street and say, hey, I need 50 teddy bears, I would have had like a thousand teddy bears, but I wasn't allowed to do that. And I remember talking to some high up general um, and he he was telling me, well, you know, we don't want to make it look like we can't can't take care of our own. And I was like, well, first of all, what are we not American all of a sudden? And second of all, dude, cat's out of the bag. (laughs) You know, the suicide numbers are out. Clearly, this is an all-hands-on-deck situation. So I think that's changed. I think that the military um, understands that leveraging community-based resources Mm. is beneficial. Uh, There just hasn't been a platform to do it, and that's really where Patriot Link is going to be really helpful um, to do that. You know, when when I hear about spouses being told, like, oh, you don't contact the VFW or the DAV, and I think many military spouses don't don't know any better when it comes to that, that there's, I mean, if there are repercussions for that, then you can, there can be repercussions for the repercussions. Also, those VFW posts, as a VFW member myself, uh, tend to have some very senior officers in them, retired or not. Mm-hmm. If you're a full bird colonel, Navy captain, admiral, general, master chiefs, commandment, those, those guys still have some pull. And if they hear about a base telling people not to go to organizations like the VFW, the DAV, the Legion, uh, they're not going to be too pleased about it that so again there there are it may not seem like it eric but there are checks and balances within the military community that again i think too many service members and and family members don't think of because they think oh the army's going to hammer us and don't realize like yeah well you know what those retired army colonels sitting down at the vfw are more than willing to help out and they still carry some weight don't they oh absolutely i people forget that i mean service never ends for almost 90 
98% of us, we believe that. I mean, there's those guys that get out and they're like, we're done. <laughs> but for the most part, especially if they're up high on the food chain, yep. they're going to, trust me, you get a sergeant major, he's going to make sure you're taken care of. I mean, that's just how it is. So I, I think that's just what everybody needs to take away is rank has its privileges, especially when it's really high on the food yeah. chain. <laughs> so make sure you abuse it when you get out because it will help you. If you have somebody at the VFW yeah. or go to them because they can push around. They know a lot of people. They can and they can help. And uh, those retired command sergeant majors and command master chiefs and master chiefs and all those guys. Uh, guess what? They have base access and they are yep. usually more than happy to go marching into an office. Right. But <laughs> this is a, a totally, totally separate. I mean, if there, I don't think there's anything a retired command master chief likes more than feeling useful and being able to go in and talk to the current command master chief, you know, drink coffee together and talk about how everything's messed up. And hey, I got something else to talk to you about. But we're getting a little bit off subject with that because Patriot Link is is basically uh, giving people this this great resource to go to to try and find the correct way to do things and find the correct programs out there for you. Now, when it comes to uh, the needs that can be addressed, do we have like a breakdown on what Patriot Link is able to help with? I mean, are there different categories? Is it all towards financial assistance, Mm-mm. mental so health? There, there are 20 service tags in in the platform. Uh, and so it goes everything from legal to transportation to education to employment to benefits, caregiver support, end of life support. And those, again, were driven by our own case coordinators and what they were seeing coming in. Plus our pilot sites. We're piloted in about 30 sites right now, and they tell us we're getting this, we're getting that. So those tags, those service tags were really driven from um, the field. And, and that's one of the things that's so different about Patriot Link. This has been attempted before mm-hmm. um, and and has not worked. Uh, and so one of the biggest difference is that this platform has been designed by the service providers who are going to be using it. So it's a pretty practical platform. What we find is, People do not come in pretty boxes. I mean, that's not the way it works, right? And so, like I said earlier, they might think that they have one issue, but typically there are underlying issues that need to be addressed. And I think that if you are, let's say you're uh, at a, um, you know, VFW post and you're helping someone with their benefits, right? And you recognize that this person also has some mental health issues or legal issues. There's no protocol for anybody now other than Google, we did a market scan four years ago, and we asked 150 community-based question, uh, organizations two questions. The first one was, how are you finding resources for your veterans you know they need that you don't provide? 93% said they were Googling. Yeah, right? that's what I do. Yeah, you and know, the second that. question was, if you had a platform by which you could find these resources, would you use it? And of course, everybody said yes. And so really, that you know, Patriot Link is meant to address pretty much any need. Like I said... There are literally 44,000 nonprofits out there with military or veteran in their mission statement. We did a deep dive on that number. The, the ones that are providing a direct service, which are the only ones that go into Patriot Link, are 11,000. Hmm. Once we go through our process of vetting and verification, we think that number is going to be between five to 8,000. Right. So it's a, wow. it's it's still a manageable set of resources, right. but every single resource that goes in goes through initial 90 minute vetting protocol yeah you can't get around that because half the time what people say they're doing on their website and what they're doing is different or the eligibility criteria is different so when you're using patriot link you're not just searching for the service you're answering these six questions of eligibility when you served what branch of service disability discharge all of the things that basically determine eligibility so when you run a search the only things that are going to come up are going to be things that your veteran will qualify for that's what makes it so targeted 
Well, and it sounds like doing the quick math in my head, and I'm not very good at math, so let's be very <laughs> clear about that. But uh, just over one in 10 actual veteran 501s, you know, the nonprofit veteran charities, a little more than one in 10 are actually doing what they say they're doing and doing it the way that they say they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll say having, you know, built a nonprofit over the past six and a half years, um, it, it, there's a lot of challenges to it. Capacity is always an issue. And so one of the questions we asked during the verification call is, okay, you've qualified for this this platform, you provide a direct service, you're fiscally transparent and financially responsible, it's a cost-free service, you're being responsive to us, you're answering the phone, do you have the capacity if we put you in? And if they say, I can't even handle the veterans I have, we put them in, keep them dark, call them back in six months and see if they have more capacity. Um, and even government programs, government programs are in Patriot Link too, but those shift a lot too, mm -hmm. you know? And so what we don't want to happen is someone use Patriot Link, click the link or call the number and be like, sorry, right? That defeats the purpose of the platform. That's why it's so labor intensive on the back end to have people continuously doing data hygiene and update and all of that. And as I said, you can't get around that. You yeah. know, you have to do that. But the other really cool thing about the platform is right now it's service provider facing, right? So we think there's a veteran facing version of this in a couple of years, but we're kind of trying to take a smaller bite of the elephant at first. So everybody has their own unique login, which means we on the back end are going to be able to do real-time gap analysis and trend identification based on user behavior. So I'm going to be able to say something like, wow, 90% of the searches run in Austin, Texas last month were legal. What is going on in Austin? Right? So not only will we have that capability, a data set that does not exist right now, we have to wait for a think tank to come out with a needs assessment that's a year old by the time it comes out, right? Oh, yeah. But the organizations that have Patriot Link will be able to pull their own report and go to their own funders and policymakers and say, they have everything in here. This is what we don't have. This is what we need. This is what we need to fund, right? So hopefully it will lead to more data-driven and strategic right. funding and policy decisions. That would be fantastic. And you know, one of the things that caught my caught my attention that you were talking about was was capacity and how organizations can sometimes uh, be too good for their own good, where they get too many people coming in because they offer such a great service. And when we think about it this way, and, and when you say, well, how could they run out of capacity and not be able to help more people? The VA just tried to put out ID cards for veterans and their website crashed within 12 hours of it going live. That is the VA with billions of dollars of funding. These nonprofits oftentimes are on a shoestring budget, right. if any budget at all. So you do have to keep that in mind. And I think, you know, when we look at the, the 40,000 plus that you talked about uh, that are out there uh, claiming to be working for veterans, I would say that most of them are probably have their hearts in the right place. Most I of think. them do. Yep, absolutely. It's it's the changes that come across their program that they have to adjust to, and you know, trying to maintain the original uh, structure. It can be difficult, and it can be uh, uh, impossible for some of them. Honestly, some of them are just not built for a larger scale. They're started off at a smaller scale. As they get bigger, uh, it becomes more and more of a problem. But Patriot Link is doing the legwork really mm -hmm. to help us figure out who is and is not uh, the right fit for our veteran families out there and in in so many different ways. If we've been as we've been talking to Christy Kaufman about, she is the co-founder and executive director of Code of Support Foundation. Now Christy, we're finishing up our time here just about a minute left. So, if people are interested in Patriot Link and want to find out more about it, where do they go and what can they do to actually start using this amazing resource? Codeofsupport.org best thing to do is just go to the website. Um, if you are a veteran or a family member in need of assistance, you can apply for uh, in our case coordination uh, program, just submit an application. 
If you're an organization that's looking to um, either be represented in Patriot Link or use Patriot Link, right now it's grant funded. We got a million dollar grant from the Bristol Myers Squibb Foundation. Oh, nice. We'll launch it June 14th, um, and 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 hopefully be able to get enough corporate underwriters so that we can keep the subscription fees low for nonprofits. But right now, anybody that's working in some kind of professional or volunteer capacity with troops, veterans, and families can use it for free. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.